Open, outspoken, it's ophthalmology off the grid, an honest look at controversial topics in the field. I'm Blake Williamson. Welcome to another episode of Ophthalmology Off the Grid Survive and Thrive series. Today, Dr. Blake Williamson is joined by Drs. Valentin Lozano and Luke Rebinich, as well as Nick Sedaris, founder of the Patient Pipeline, to discuss the intersection of medicine and social media. They walk through their experiences with social media and how they've used it to grow their practices, plus the different methods used for different platforms. Coming up on Off the Grid. Support for this podcast comes from Bryn Mawr Communications. BMC produces a number of informative podcast series spanning a variety of topics in ophthalmology. Discover a new show at itube.net slash podcasts. All right, welcome to another episode of Survive and Thrive. Uh, I'm your host, Dr. Blake Williamson, and I'm excited to be here with uh, three of my friends who are going to tell us all about social media um, and how they're using it pre-pandemic, during the pandemic, and post-pandemic, and um, how we're going to sort of use social media to grow our practice, uh, how, how we connect with our colleagues, uh, and, and all the other uh, uses for it. So we have a, a good panel, um, and I wanted to kind of have a diverse panel from um, all different parts of, of the country. Um, and we even have an industry uh, a panelist as well. So uh, Nick Sedaris, who is the uh, founder of the Patient Pipeline, is with us today. Also, Dr. Valentina Lozano uh, from the Glaucoma Group in Los Angeles, California. And also Dr. Luke Rebinich, who is the uh, medical director of ClearSight in uh, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Welcome. I'm happy to to, uh, to have you guys uh, all here. And uh, Nick, maybe I'll start with you since uh, you are the the guru here. Um, this is your business. So Valentina and myself and Luke, we're just uh, you know regular old uh, uh, anterior segment surgeons, um, but we're all active in social media. You, on the other hand, you have a whole uh, group, you have a whole uh, business that's sort of dedicated to this. So maybe just tell us a little bit about your business and, and, and how you got started and, and that sort of thing. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Um, so Patient Pipeline, we've really turned into a digital marketing system um, to use platforms, um, typically social platforms, to attract new leads. Um, and then ultimately turn those leads into new patients. So we, um, we've primarily operate on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, um, and then those are kind of our direct to consumer platforms that we help our practices grow. So Patient Pipeline has been around, um, February was 10 years technically. Um, then I took a hiatus where I uh, worked with a major medical manufacturer device company and I was a consultant for them um, for six years and I got to learn the business from the inside out. And I saw big practices, small, um, successful, non-successful, and then um, now implementing that in the patient pipeline has been really great. Nick, what do you think, uh, you, you've worked with a lot of different doctors. Do you, do you think that doctors are, are, are getting more involved with social media? 
uh, as time has gone on? Um, or do you feel like there's still a little bit, it's still a little bit foreign to them and that's kind of where you come in and maybe what are some of the, the tips or, or what are some of the, the things that, that you see people who are successful with it doing? Well, I think you're most successful if you take ownership of it, um, you know, and, you know, really dedicate yourself and your team to being consistent with it. And the funny thing is, is when I worked for the medical device company, I used to just harp on doctors, like you guys got to be on social media. I don't understand why you don't do this now as a business owner. And it, it's very hypocritical, I know, but as the social media guy, I hate doing it, you know, because it takes so much time. But what I've seen recently, you know, I've been a lot more active just lately on LinkedIn and um, uh, Facebook and Twitter, it, it really pays dividends. So I think if, if the conversation is, hey, we want to grow and we want to use social media as a platform, just having a dedication to a plan, and we can discuss kind of what that looks like later, but then also just involving your team so that there's more contributors to consistently put out content that people can engage with and learn from. Valentina, what do you think? Um, you know, so, you know, Nick's business is really kind of about, really about getting more patients, you know, through the door uh, and, and growing your practice. But, you know, one thing that, that I, I followed uh, on, on your uh, uh, Instagram account is like, you actually have a lot of personal stuff too, which people really gravitate towards and people really dig. Um, talk about kind of, how you started using it, it and, and, and why you're doing it and, and kind of what you get out of it. I started my account to actually show other medical students what an ophthalmologist did. So I started as my first year of residency because no one knows what ophthalmologists do. And that's how I started it. And then I realized that med students were not as interested as actually my other colleagues. So colleagues, ophthalmologists around the world really wanted me to show what I was doing. And that's how I started it. My goal was never actually to get more patient volume and that's something that I actually I know I have to do it but I don't know if I if I want to do it because my followers or people who really like my material are actually colleagues not patients and I get a little bit awkward when I see a patient adding me on Instagram actually so I just started working as an attending three months ago and I'm still trying to decide whether I want to use my social media platform for patients or just continue doing what you're doing uh, you just mentioned doctors being more involved with social media. And I think now it's not a matter of doing, I mean, you have, to, I think right now you have to do it. So it's just a matter of how you're going to do it, but you have to be out there because patients are looking for you online. And that's kind of how I see it now. Like, even though it's not patient oriented, I am there and people can see that I like ophthalmology. I show a passion for what I do. And that's kind of what I'm gearing towards. You know, like I, I don't want patients following me and seeing my, my eye surgery and like blood, you know, like sometimes I do it on purpose so they don't follow me. You know? So, and you were doing it during training too, like during residency and stuff. So was your program like uh, super um, uh, uh, supportive of that or did they even know you were doing it or, um, you know, talk about that. I, I always remain quiet. I was very embarrassed at the beginning. And I remember my colleagues, my co-residents kind of making fun of me because it was, I mean, I would ask them to take a picture of like me with the visual field or me doing surgery or smiling. So I always kept, I always kept it on the low side. I never put it on my CV for, for residency. And then fellowship, I guess, my mentor was very active in social media. So we would always do things together. And that was exciting because he was taking pictures and I was taking pictures and that, that, that was very helpful. 
That's cool. Yeah, I love following all the Ike stuff. That's awesome. So, so Luke, what about you, man? Because, you know, I feel like, you know, your social media is similar to Williamson LASIK in the sense that, you know, we, we, we're doing more, um, you know, showing patient outcomes. You know, we have the happy patients who are getting rid of their glasses after LASIK. If we do athletes or local celebrities, they're, they're on there doing little, you know, testimonials for us and stuff like that. So it seems like you're kind of going straight to, the patients and, and on that side versus trying to connect with, you know, other ophthalmologists and medical professionals. It's kind of funny, but yeah, years ago, I used to be very active in social media on a personal level. And that was, we, as I, you know, took over ClearSight a few years ago, it's, we've really changed out of the direction of our social media. Our, our primary goal is to have them know, like, and trust us before they even come through the doors. And so we, you know, we've all heard of Simon Sinek's, you know, start with why. We want to not only say or say why we do this, but show why we do it. And so we show examples of people with good outcomes, living without limits. You know, we show people having a good time. You know, we want people to you know, feel comfortable. And when they, when it is time for them to have LASIK or cataract surgery, or some sort of vision correction, we want them to think of us as, you know, that that fun place that's serious about good outcomes, good technology, and at the same time, we uh, we care about what we do. And so, you know, it's it's fun, but. Uh, it kind of has a serious side at the same time. So I mean, if, if you're not doing social media, you're, you're losing a lot of people out there. Do you have a practice champion that kind of does it? I remember when I went and visited you, I, I watched you do like 150 uh, LASIK surgeries back to back, it seemed like, but you had a gal that was there that was kind of in charge of the patient taking the pictures and all that. It wasn't you, you know, you were too busy doing surgery. Yeah, you know, we have a social media team. They're all volunteers. They're, these are all people that just love social media and love our practice. And so they're, they're in charge of, you know, taking pictures. Um, they, uh, we have a, a little clear side mascot. Um, his name is, uh, is Brian. He's a sloth. Or he's, uh, and Dr. Brian goes around and does fun things. And so like, these are things that I, I don't even think of, but they, they just really show our culture. And so we have a, you know, people who have, we have those with a marketing title and those who are kind of nominated and, uh, and, they all just look, they all just add to our social media from a different uh, facet. I mean, it's fun. It's a, it's, if you're not having fun with social media, it's a, it comes across as inauthentic. Yeah, we have we have a good time with it at Williamson LASIK, and and I have like you know, I feel like there's like seven or eight different people that have the login and stuff. Like Nick was talking, Nick Nick has really helped us a lot with ours, and you know, one of his big things is don't worry about you know. Um, uh, creating some amazing post or anything, just document what you're doing uh, and try to post regularly and don't think about it too much. Try to be raw if you can. And so I have multiple people that log into mine all the time and I do it myself too. Um, and we do have fun with it. it. It's a lot of fun. Nick, I want to ask you about, you know, does size matter? Does, does, does the number of followers matter? Because you know, one thing that I've noticed is I feel like my team is really good at social media. They're doing Facebook stuff all the time, Instagram stuff all the time, but I only have like, you know, a thousand, 2000 followers, whatever it is. But you, if you follow someone like Valentina, or if you follow, you know, Rupa Wong, or you know, there's several docs that I can think of that have tens of thousands, if not more followers. And, and, and so I'm wondering if I'm doing something wrong, like, do I need to be do, doing more personal stuff? Do I, you know, do, is what I'm doing with showing patient outcomes and, you know, happy post-ops and, and testimonials, does that really gravitate or do people not really care about that? Because, you know, I, I feel like 
I feel like it's pretty rare. Like if my whole goal with my social media is to, is, is to grow my business, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to connect with colleagues. I, I, you know, I do that in different ways. I'm just trying to grow my business and do more surgery. Right. But I feel like, you know, patients aren't really coming in saying, Hey, I saw you on Instagram. You know, they're still saying, Hey, I heard your radio ad. Or, I saw you on TV. You know, you did in word of mouth, really, you did my mom's eye or you did my brother's eye. That's what people, people are coming in. So I'm wondering if I'm kind of using it the wrong way. I'm, I'm kind of trying to reassess what my goal of it is, you know? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head of really trying to define what the goal is, you know? So, you know, with Dr. Lozano, she's like, Hey, I want to connect with other industry people and, and have others see kind of behind the scenes of what it's like, you know, going through your know, residency and, and whatnot. Whereas with your practice, it's like, Hey, I, you know, we want to grow patient volume. So how do we do that? And I think, you know, with you clear sight, the same thing, it's like, Hey, we're showing culture. Um, we're showing positive outcomes and, and then we're showing personality where I, I do think, you know, if you threw off the gloves and decided, Hey, I'm going to kind of no holds bar show everything behind the scenes of what it's like to, um, you know, to peek inside of, of my world, then you're almost acting as though an influencer. Cause I think Dr. Lozano, you have like 13,000 followers or something ridiculous, which congratulations. That's amazing. But I think part of that is cause you're just, people are interested in, in doing business with other people. You know, that's, that's the key here. So you know, when, when you're, you know, going on some crazy trip, like, like on your personal um, Instagram, I'm sure you had a lot of comments when, you know, you're out doing your, you know, the campfire stuff and whatever, like, I'm sure you probably had a lot of interaction with that. Now, if that was on the business profile, then you probably would get more engagement, more, you know, following. And that's just something everyone has to decide on. Me personally, like I, I kind of, to your point, Dr. Lozano with patients, it's like, I do kind of feel weird. Um, I have three little kids, you know, I don't necessarily want strangers connecting with me that I've never met before. Cause I'm posting, you know, pictures of, of my children. So there's, you just kind of have to clearly define your goals. And if the goal is like, Hey, I'm going to open the kimono and show my personal life, but maybe I'm, so then therefore I'm not going to post kids or I'm going to keep things a little more professional. You just have to define your goal and then push forward that way. Valentina, do you have a personal account too, or is it all in one? Yeah, I'm surprised you said personal things because I feel like I don't post anything. I mean, literally, I just posted something from my house that, and I was like debating it, but it's one of my best friends. Of course, best friends ask you for help. So I posted my, my house because she just decorated it. So I feel like I never post anything about my life, but I do have a separate account. I don't think I ever used it. I mean, if you know, you, you, I don't show my partner. I don't show, I barely show my family. I just, I also feel awkward, you know, and I try to keep my personal life very separate from my professional life. But I do want to add to this. I mean, you said, what's your goal? Of course, my goal right now wasn't to build my, my business. Now that I'm getting not that many patients, I've been thinking about it that, that maybe I should, you know. So, I, want, so, I, I want to do what you're doing and you want to do what I'm doing. We should going to switch. <laughs> right. So I wanted to say, I, I've been doing a lot of research. I mean, I just started this practice and my, my boss, you know, wasn't very um, tech savvy, you know, so our website was actually very poor. And I came in and I'm like, oh my God, I have time. We need to fix the website. So I think 
how would people find you? And I think it's very important for, for Luke and you because you guys are refractive people and then you are direct to consumer. So you're trying to reach the patient. For me, my patients kind of go through an ophthalmologist, a comprehensive one, who then, or an optometrist who then re refers to me because I'm a glaucoma specialist. So it's a little bit different, but what you have to do, you know, you have lots of patients, what are they going to do? They're going to go on the computer and they're going to type best glaucoma, sorry, best LASIK surgeon in Tennessee, you know, or, or anything. And the most important thing here is actually the SEO, the search engine optim optimization. So you want to be the first one there. You're, you want to be the first website. So that's, I think it's the most important for you if you want to build your, your practice, you know, grow your practice. And of course, then having an amazing website. And I've been reading a lot too. So you have to have certain points. For example, patients do love connecting with you. So making videos, like short videos, you know, not just your CV and having three paragraphs that can, can get kind of boring. So they do, do like videos. Why did you pick ophthalmology or why do you love cataract surgery? So things like that. Of course, pre and post testimonials are super important too. Um, what else? Yeah, I, I think that like a lot of connection with patients, but if you are trying to build your reputation, I think, as Luke said, it's a lot of work and you can get bored easily. And if you don't enjoy it, it's going to get not authentic. So I do think having help, if you're not good at it or you're just busy, having help on your website first, and then you can proceed with Facebook and Instagram. So for example, in my practice, they want to start an Instagram, they want to start a Facebook and I'm like, I'm not helping, <laughs> you know, like this is like blogs. This is like so much to do. And I don't know if I want to do that. I'd rather have a nice website, um, a nice video, you know, and start like that first. Yeah. That's why, that's why you got to hire Nick. Nick can come in and do it for y'all. So Luke, you know, one thing that, that she talked about was kind of changing the sort of the, the, the mindset about social, um, you know, from the website, on up all the whole the whole digital sort of experience for the practice did you have to do that when you kind of bought out uh clear did you did you have to kind of were they doing social media or anything like that did you get any pushback or what was your experience with that you know it's like they were doing a lot of things right and it, i want to i want to echo exactly what valentina was saying it's you got to do it right and it's very easy to do social media wrong or to have a bad website you know be even people who are you know, boomers and beyond, they're, they're Googling just like anybody else. They want to find the best cataract surgeon. And so yeah, SEO is very important. And what, what ClearSight was doing well was, very, was a traditional media. They, they had that locked in, they had, they had done TV, they had radio, and they, they figured out how to do that well. But again, that was five, seven years ago and it's a different world. But a lot of those concepts translate to social media. One of which is whatever medium you're, you're going to be using, make sure you own that. It's, it, does, it does you absolutely no good to have a Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, all this, and, and, not, and not really do any of them you know, justice. It's more important to you know, go to Facebook, own that, make sure that you are getting to people a repetition of about three times a week to, to make sure that you uh, maintain that top of mind uh, awareness. And once you own Facebook, then you go to Instagram or go to Snapchat or TikTok. And, what, and by doing that, we've now been able to, of course, you know, do Google SEO, but now we have Facebook, Instagram, we've also done YouTube videos, which have um, helped you know, promote our brand. And uh, most recently, even uh, um, geo, uh, geofencing. So now that you know, those people who are in the market for eyeglasses, for example, we're able to find those people who are walking into stores and, and target them appropriately, you know, saying, 
hey, have you ever thought about you know getting your eyes done or think about LASIK? Well, hey, we're cool, fun people here over at ClearSight. You should definitely get those glasses, but you should th uh, think about uh, next time. What is geofencing? Like, are they following you on your phones, and that's how you can tell that they went to a glasses store? There's no such thing as privacy, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is this? I'm so scared now. Unless you're unless you're Elon Musk. So what is what is geofencing, Nick? Uh, basically, you could identify what practices in town. Um, you know, like if there's some big optometric practices, you can draw, you can see a big map inside of your ads campaign manager. You can draw a fence around each of those. And then when someone's smartphone goes into that fence, then an ad can be served up once it's on one, once they browse one of the ad platforms. So, and that's just like the tip of the iceberg. See, Nick, like, I feel like five, six years ago, like I felt like I was super um, uh, innovative in social media because whenever I would put an ad on Facebook, you know, first of all, I realized what a difference between an ad and a post was. And I would go in there and do psychographics and infographics and geofence and do all that stuff five and six years ago. And that was kind of cutting edge at the time, man, the game has changed like five, six years later, the stuff that the stuff that I see you doing, uh, for your clients, I mean, Facebook has gotten very, very um, uh, sophisticated, right? The algorithms are changed. You know, just if you post something these days, even if it's a video, it's not necessarily going to get picked up by people. Can you kind of talk about like, you know, what it takes to actually get something seen on Facebook these days if you're trying to grow your practice? For sure. And it's continually changing. I mean, right now we're in the middle of an iOS 14 change. So the new Apple software is going to completely disrupt um, Facebook ads. So we're very much on top of it, making sure that's not going to affect any of our clients because basically um, Apple and Facebook are kind of, you know, going head to head with um, the privacy and tracking. And so you're essentially on your iPhone. Once you update it, when this rolls out, you're going to have to, you're going to have more control and power over who is following you and what apps, um, which is obviously pretty good for a privacy standpoint from a consumer, bad from a marketing perspective, you know, for transparent. But the interesting thing that we have found the most success with is all always been very counterintuitive. So we've definitely done geofencing and other um, modes of, of um, ad campaigns as well. But what we found is if once we kind of hung our pride up and decided we're not smarter than Facebook, um, we try to feed the algorithm as much data as possible and then let the algorithm show the ads to the right person. So that's the first thing. The second thing is we have noticed that the, um, the uglier of an ad that we publish, the better it converts. <laughs> and this like really frustrated me when we first did it. So we do photos of like uh, a surgeon and a patient in a lane was shot on an iPhone, works incredibly well. Um, a patient, uh, or I'm sorry, a front desk person sitting you know, at the front desk with like a logo behind them. And then a photo of the outside of the building, which that one you know, makes me the most mad. But using those images on Facebook works really well because if you think about when you're you know, on Facebook, our brains are just trained now that when you see a really beautiful photo or stock photography, you immediately think, oh, this is an ad. So I'm just going to keep scrolling. So as soon as we switch to these like lower quality images, it, it does its job of stopping the scroll to say like, hey, what is this? Or maybe they recognize that building on the side of the road. So then they stop and then they read the copy. So our, 
our results have gotten way better. And that's always a conversation I have to have with a client because it's like, Hey, we're not this like shoddy agency because we use these really ugly photos. We, we use them because it works. So Nick, if someone's listening to this podcast right now and they're thinking, wow, okay, I need to start doing social media. Um, maybe I want to grow my business. Um, you know, they're just starting practice or maybe they've been out five or six years and they're looking to, you know, finally kind of make a difference. Uh, in terms of what they're doing marketing wise, can you give them any type of uh, rough estimate about benchmarking about, you know, how much money they should be spending on marketing and how much, you know, of those marketing dollars should be sort of social digital versus traditional? Yeah. I mean, it really depends upon the market. Um, but it also, but at least from a percentage wise, um, you know, you, interestingly enough, you can go really, really far with only $1,000 on Facebook per month, no matter what market it is. Um, we've come into markets that were really big and they were pumping out like seven grand a month in Facebook ads alone. And what we found was when we reduced that budget, we actually had better results because essentially what you're saying is like, hey, Facebook, I'm going to pay you seven grand, do what you want with it. And they're going to spend it. But instead, if we say, okay, here's $1,000 Facebook, and here's my um, target market that's you know maybe more narrow, then it's gonna actually produce better results because your audience size is much smaller, but it's yet it's big enough that the algorithm can move. So we've had customers, you know, they're really excited because we not only saved the money, but we got them better results. So I think from a percentage standpoint, um, to Valentina's point earlier, you do wanna spend money on search engine optimization, which is far more expensive because it's intent based. People are going to Google specifically searching for that procedure. Um, so we typically do about, I would say 60 to 70% is Google pay-per-click. And then the rest is split between um, Facebook and um, YouTube pre-roll ads. Um, we do very, we do a little in Instagram. Instagram is much better from a um, organic standpoint where you're actually creating um, the consistent content organically, which is technically free. You still have difficulty getting seen because of the algorithm, but from an um, ad performance spot, Facebook is much better because it's just a more conducive platform that people are used to clicking on something to go to something else. Where Instagram is very visual. It's like, hey, I want to look at pretty pictures. So it's a lot harder platform to actually convert um, ads on. Gotcha. And, and, and Valentina, I want to kind of um, switch gears and ask you um, about something that that I've gotten uh, involved with uh, lately is Clubhouse. Uh, I don't know if you have, have you have you messed with that yet because it's a great way. Speaking of connecting with colleagues and industry people, it's a great way to connect. I, I don't know if you've spent any time on that platform. I have not. And I, I, and I know I have to keep upgrading. And, you know, it's like you get so good at one thing and then something else happens. So like TikTok appeared and everyone is doing TikTok and I'm like, no, no TikTok for me, no dancing. Then Clubhouse, I, I know I should. And of course, like the whole point of social media is actually not staying behind. So I, I do need to do something soon. But right now I haven't. I, mean, since I just started being an attending for three months. I've been focusing on on seeing patients and reading but but what tell me tell me what it is like i mean i know what it is but what, what yeah. do you think? yeah I, th I think it's a i think it's a it's like a um it's almost like a, a a podcast uh but it's live and it's interactive and it's almost like being in a digital virtual uh conference where people can be called on stage and they can talk about whatever it is 
it's just interesting because I, I don't know how it's going to be monetized, but, but, uh, you know, in the short time that it's been out, you know, um, I, I see all kinds of ophthalmology groups popping up and, you know, you'll go on there and there'll be 50 or 60 people in there just chatting about, you know, God knows what uh, eye stuff. So I think it's a, a it's going to be pretty disruptive. I just don't know how they're going to monetize it. I don't know how they're going to, you know, create ads and stuff like that to keep it going. Luke, have you done anything with that? Have you seen Clubhouse at all? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm kind of with uh, Valentina. I've, I've jumped in. I've, I've uh, spent a little time doing a couple conversations and just thought, oh, this is really cool. I, I, I enjoy it from a personal level, but I, I don't, I haven't figured out how it would apply to a business level. I don't, I don't know how this would help ClearSight, for example. Um, that being said, it seems to get more, become more and more, uh, you know, used. And I, I think at some point it will be monetized, like you said. You know, I think uh, I'd, I'd probably ask uh, ask Nick what his thoughts are because it's you know we I have a pretty good understanding of social media, but I, I feel like a uh, JV compared to uh, to Nick. That's why we hire somebody to help us. Yeah, maybe maybe that's maybe that's a good kind of segue into like what do you think the future is of social media and medicine? I mean, like you know, Nick, I feel like you know six years ago it was pretty foreign for a doctor to be on Facebook, right? Uh, now just five or six years later, it's kind of weird if you're not on Facebook as a, like a professional page, as a doctor, not as a personal Instagram pages, all that's kind of the norm for, you know, especially refractive surgeons, um, you know, and cosmetic surgeons and, you know, all that, um, you know, do you, where do you kind of see that going? Do you think that that's just going to increase? Are there going to be other platforms that are going to take it over? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, new platforms pop up all the time. And what, once they actually get some traction, that's when I usually try to pay attention. So like Clubhouse, for example, um, TikTok as well, you know, um, again, that, that demo skews pretty young. But the thing that I would say is when these new platforms pop up, it's, it's really worth taking a look at if you have the bandwidth, because kind of the life cycle of a social media platform is at the beginning, they, it's just a supply and demand issue where if there's not that many people producing content, then your, your content is going to be favored organically through the algorithms. So that's how people have exploded on TikTok, where if they're posting the same thing on a more mature platform like Instagram or Facebook, it just rarely gets seen. So if you have the bandwidth, you can dig deep in these new platforms, and that's how you can grow a huge following on it. And then those can trickle into your other platforms and people will grow from there as well. I will say, you know, one thing I, I did want to mention before, you know, we end is one question I get from a lot of doctors and practices is, hey, I know we need to post to social media, but I can't think, I don't know what, what should I be posting? And that's what you kind of mentioned earlier, Blake, about, you know, documenting. But I think also if there's more of a strategy of repurposing content, so we've been on this podcast for, you know, 20, 30 minutes, you know, what if, if this was your practice podcast and maybe you're interviewing um, optometrists or you're interviewing patients and maybe the, the podcast is about, you know, changing lives in Baton Rouge. And so you're interviewing these patients, get the proper waivers and whatnot. And then a 20 minute interview can then be cut up into smaller segments where maybe there's like a two minute or a minute and a half little piece that was really good. And then you drip that on your social media. Um, you post the entire thing on your YouTube channel and then you extract the audio. And now that's your podcast. You can make still images of the quotes. So basically you could take one 
20 minute piece of content, chop it up into, you know, 50, 60 pieces of content that you can drip out slowly. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a, a really great recommendation and something that, that probably a lot of us don't really think about. You know, if you can get video like that, you can, you can move it a thousand different ways. That's awesome. Valentina, what do you think about that? You do that as well? No, but I, I do want to say that whether you like it or you're not, you're going to be in social media. That, that's something that we, we need to know. So if you go online and you search your name, your name will pop up there. And sometimes it's just going to be a bad review. And that's what's going to happen to you. So patients are going to go and they're going to see this one star review and that's all you're going to have. So luckily we have different platforms. You know, if you don't like talking, don't do Clubhouse. If you don't like dancing, don't do TikTok. But if you like having um, your own opinion, then Twitter is great. You know, if you like pictures, then Instagram is great. So just try to pick a platform. I mean, and that's what I always say, like, look yourself up online and see what patients see when they Google you. And that's the thing that if just take control of what's in there, you know, there's platforms that you won't be able to control, like Yelp, like Google reviews, but take control of all the other ones. So have a picture on LinkedIn, you know, have a picture somewhere so patients can go and see you there instead of just focusing on that one star bad review. Perfect. And I think that's where we'll end it. I love that thought. And uh, I really appreciate the conversation. I think that uh, people who listen to this podcast are definitely going to pick up a few pearls to take with them and, and hopefully uh, grow their social media presence for whatever, whatever it is they're trying to accomplish with it. And I uh, appreciate you guys coming on Survive and Thrive.